ladies and gentlemen, and today we have an incredible, an incredible special sit-down interview, socially distanced, of course, with one of my bosses at Pro Wrestling Magic all the way over here in the United States of America, the greatest country on the face of the planet. But I didn't think that I could do a sit-down interview with one of the big wigs, with one of the money marks over there at PWM, <laughs> without, <laughs> without bringing on my close personal A-team confidant, Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, how psyched are you for this, buddy? I am psyched to the gills, my friend. I'm Absolutely. feeling very, very fortunate to be here. I promised you I'd be on my best behavior. Uh, and I promise you that I won't be. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be the way to defer all the shit that would normally rain down on me and be like, no, it's because of my buddy over there. Uh, but today we are joined by one half of the former Pro Wrestling Magic World Tag Team Champions, and we are going to get into that, the American Murder Society. Ladies and gentlemen, the maniac unchained, Mr. Steve Off. How are you, boss man? Man, I'm I'm feeling the pressure. You guys gave me that mania entrance. I'm about to have like a five minute match with, where it's just finisher, kick out, finisher, kick out, finisher, finish. Oh, but, um, we we yeah, are gonna I don't do, know how I'm gonna live up to the intro. We we are gonna do a lot of falsies here. Believe me, the <laughs> intro, the intro will be the best part, hands down. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I'll do my best, but you know. So for those who aren't in the know and who haven't yet checked out the free preview of the Patreon-exclusive podcast that I did with my close personal friend and ring announcer for Pro Wrestling Magic, Mr. Shane Fair. Um, I work for a professional wrestling company here on the East Coast of the United States of America called Pro Wrestling Magic. Um, and hopefully some of you have checked out the quality content that we put out on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Magic, uh, where I host Monday Morning Magic. And a lot of that would not be response, would not have been uh, able to be done, so to speak, without the man we're going to be speaking to today. Um, so real quick, just uh, for those who aren't exactly in the know, Steve, just tell the people around the world what Pro Wrestling Magic is and how it started. Are you saying the earth isn't flat, James? What is going on here? I, I'm, I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. Around, <laughs> like, like, you know? I threw myself off there. I'm sorry. So a little bit about Pro Wrestling Magic? Yeah, how it started and... Just, uh, just like, a, like a, a Cliff's Notes version. You got it. So Pro Wrestling Magic's been around for five years now. Uh, it started almost as a joke. We had a group text with me and a couple of my friends who are in the wrestling business or have been in the wrestling business and are now back in or whatever the case. Some are lifers, some have been in and out. But uh, bottom line is a bunch of us you'd ha would have a group text during Raw and SmackDown and TNA and, and all that. And... One night, it was one episode that was, you know, not the best ever. I, I hate to shit on anyone who's, like, done better than me or done more than me. But it wasn't the best episode we'd ever seen. So uh, one of the guys jokingly said, like, oh, man, we could write better stuff than this. And then uh, Dr. Callahan goes, well, why don't we? And then it kind of just went from there. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be down in Florida. And I didn't wind up moving down there. So it wound up being in Jersey. Long story short. Uh, um I regret that every day because Florida's awesome in Jersey. Well, we get winter, so <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. So, Progressing Magic was built around old school, new school, a mix of different styles, giving opportunity to guys who haven't really gotten an opportunity yet, but really, really deserve one. Guys who are on the cusp, so to speak, mixed in with your name talent and your buzz talent to draw a crowd. Basically, that's how it came about. That's what the goal of, of the overall product is. And our, our focus is on building stars, not using guys who are already like top draw on the Indies. Because why would you pay 
to come see them at Magic when you can go see them at ICW or GCW or somewhere else where you're already going. Make sense? Right. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. In theory, anyway. I mean, so far it seems to be working okay. We had standing room only our last two shows, as you know. And that is a big progression from drawing 30 people our first night. Half of them were comps. Um, That big difference in five years. So I can only imagine, you know, what's next when the world reopens. Uh, The goal is getting on iPay-Per-View, which was already announced. That'll be where the goal is December. But with this all going on, who knows? Uh, Whatever our our show back for Kingdom Come is, may wind up being our first show, second show, third show back. Whenever the world reopens, sometime in December or after, we will be on iPay-Per-View. More details forthcoming, of course. Absolutely. Make sure to stay uh, stay tuned through uh, our Twitter, which is at Wrestling Magic. Um, yep. Now, with with Twitter on the mind, uh, I have to go and defer this next question to uh, the mouth of our Twitter, uh, who <laughs> regularly will call out celebrities that we are talking about on the podcast just to see if we can rile them up a little bit. Nathan, <laughs> I understand that uh, you actually you actually did some legwork. You actually did some research, and you uh, you 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 thought of a, uh, a couple of questions. So why don't you try firing one of them off and get to know Steve off just a little bit? Thank you, Jimmy, and hello, Steve. Uh, so you just talked obviously about your eye pay per view, and then Jimmy mentioned Twitter. Uh, Pro Wrestling Magic has quite a big social media presence on yep. the internet wrestling scene. Obviously, you expanded onto YouTube. Uh, and now onto the Patreon as well. Did you notice kind of a big difference at your show's kind of attendance once you yeah. kind of got the social media scene? Because obviously social media has gone from strength to strength in the last five years. Was that a big push on your kind of on purpose or did that kind of just happen as well? Uh, a little bit of both. We always knew we were a little lacking in the social media department because there's there's a couple of us like a, like a booking committee, if you will. And we all kind of just took turns. One would do Twitter, one would do Facebook, one would do Instagram, like one announcement a day. Uh, it wasn't timed out. It wasn't strategic. It was just kind of like whenever we had time, we'd post, which, you know, that's what we had the means to do at the time. So it worked to a point. But then we brought on Joey Finnegan, who now directs Monday Morning Magic that Jimmy co-hosts. He now runs our social media. He runs our Patreon. He's like a godsend. He has turned things around completely. Like we were doing okay before our social media amped up, but we're doing so much better since. And yeah, I mean, that wasn't necessarily something I thought would have a huge impact, but it wound up having a huge impact. I figured we'd get like 20 or 30 extra heads, but we wound up almost doubling our attendance because our social media game became on point. Is Monday Morning Magic, you mentioned it there, has that been, because that's quite a new development yes, as well. Where did that kind of come from because it's quite a big show i remember when jimmy sort of first messaged us about it that was coming and then you got storylines going on over there as well and you got some quite big names appearing on there so joey finnegan who runs our social and all that and myself had had discussions about how to expand social media he could post you know till he's blue in the face but if we have nothing to promote except for one show a month there's only going to be so much progress so we had talked about doing a youtube show for free and You know, apparently him and Jimmy had been tossing around ideas for that anyway, that and the Patreon and whatnot. So it started with the YouTube with the intent of eventually opening up the Patreon. And the idea of it is just to kind of start your day the right way, because let's face it, besides Monday Night Raw or whatever you might watch on Mondays, everybody hates Mondays. Mondays are the worst day of the week for work for the most part, uh, except Tuesdays, which are Monday's uglier uh, baby sister. But... Yeah, everyone hates Monday. Going to work sucks after having a nice weekend. And what's a good good pick-me-up? 
dropping at 5 or 6 a.m. whenever you might be getting up to shower, uh, an episode of Monday Morning Magic. Oh, okay, I'll get up in a half hour early, get ready, watch this before I go have a miserable day at work. You know, maybe start your day off the right way and not be as miserable at work on a Monday. That was that was the idea of it. And watch this loudmouth kid get his ass kicked by a seven-foot-tall guy on a regular basis. Which is a great way to start your Monday. It's a great way to start it because my mouth gets me in trouble constantly. John Tella and the Meadowlands Monster are kind of sick of me at this point. So, you know, it, 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 Monday Morning Magic was uh, a really cool thing, especially when it got started, that by, uh, by around the time of uh, Full House and um, Family Matters, which you can see in their entirety on our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Raw Wrestling Magic, uh, plug, plug, plug. Um, and you can see that the, the, calling a show Full House, like, it was very sort of ballsy of us, yeah. I guess. But, but, when yeah, it, but when it worked out, I remember backstage at that show, and I, I believe I told you, Nathan, and Scott this, like, just after we had done that show. But the buzz backstage from everybody involved was just sort of like, oh, my God, I can't fucking believe we did this. We, yeah, it's like... Like I said, up to that point, like we didn't have a bad house almost ever, but we didn't have a great house until that point. Mm-hmm. You know, except for when we had Cody Rose. But it was always like a pretty good draw. And now it was like, oh shit, we can't fit a single other motherfucker in here. We're gonna fit them if we, you know, have to use a crowbar and and, and some baby oil, but we really can't. Wait, so I'm familiar. Great, I'm familiar know. with crowbar, but who's baby oil? <laughs> is he is he like an old tag team partner uh this this guy dave batista is wwe guy uh he, he's got i don't know i guess so i guess he knows a guy um but yeah so yeah the, it was cool because uh i remember telling you about this steve uh just around i think it was at full house or something that i was getting uh people who were in attendance the magic masses that were coming up to me and they were like, oh my God, last week's episode of Monday Morning Magic was so funny. How did you do that? And stuff like that. And that's just a really like uh, amazing feeling to be able to know that you have this connection with the mm -hmm. fans before you even walk out onto the floor of the Knights of Columbus Hall or the Wrestling Magic Kingdom, as we call it. Um, and it's just, it's how has that been for you when you walk the floor almost where you just go out there and like, what's the buzz that you're hearing a lot about, especially at these last couple of shows? I, I mean, not a specific thing per se, but the buzz is like, it's like almost like a little family. It's like everyone's kind of talking to each other. Everyone's made friends with each other or they brought their friends or both. I don't really know which, um, but it's like a, a very homey, very family type of atmosphere. Like, oh, this is our home away from home. This is our going to watch wrestling home. Like, you know, this... And, and, of course, buzzing about the matches on the card that night, obviously. You of know, course, yeah. But, yeah, it's just a very, very positive environment. Everybody's happy to be there and see the show. You know, everybody has their own spot. A lot of fans have gimmicks, which, in general, I'm really not a fan of. But, in a way, it's kind of cool because, like, in ECW back in the day, it was, like, this underground feel. And, like, you had the hat guy and the Hawaiian shirt guy. And they might be the same guy. I don't know. But there were, you know, there was a guy in a Green Lantern shirt. And there was, like, other guys that... You know, those guys look kind of like Rob Zombie, uh, but a lot skinnier somehow. Uh, somehow. And, and they all kind of like in that era of the ECW, they all kind of had their spot. They all kind of had a, a niche in the crowd. And I get a lot of that magic because Robert Lottie's got his megaphone and, you know, it's kind of annoying and obnoxious. But at the same time, it wouldn't be magic without it. And then, you know, I got Mikey from the front row. Now he's kind of transitioning into like a backstage training kind of role. But. You know, and you got Lawrence who walks the floor and he wears knee high socks, which is weird, but he's a great guy. So we forgive him. 
Yeah, ring, yeah. ring the it's, ring crew and everything. Yeah. Now, I while we were talking on the live stream for um, driver things, uh, it yes. sort of just came up organically that a lot of the guys that are now part of like the crew, like the core crew that's always there every month that are working, that actually working the shows, whether that be ring crew or our ring announcer or me and Mark on commentary. A lot of those guys, we all came out of the magic masses. We all came out of the audience a couple of years ago and really started. That's where I think the, the family sort of vibe also comes from. Yeah. Cause a lot of the guys that have been going to the shows for years and girls, obviously, and the kids and stuff, they see Shane is now in the center of the ring calling the show. So almost they think, Hey, maybe someday that could be me up there and I could be introducing JT Dunn and Gangrel and the Meadowlands monster and all these other people. Um, and I think that's like been a really, uh, a fun experience. And that's also another thing you can hear me and Shane talk about on the Patreon podcast. Make sure you guys go over to the Patreon. Plug, plug, Man, I've got to sign up for that Patreon. I want to check yeah. that out too. And, and <laughs> if, I can't remember if someone had to go find that Patreon, um, <laughs> Would it be patreon.com forward slash pro wrestling magic? Would it be that easy to find? It indeed would. I just haven't uh, swiped my credit card just yet, but um, you know, I may as well put money in my own pocket and sign up, it's right? A, what the hell? It's okay. We take digital payments over the phone now. Steve. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just Steve, just branch off some of the points that you just talked about mm-hmm. how pro wrestling magic is kind of quite a family. One thing that I immediately noticed when Jimmy put me onto pro wrestling magic and I started watching some stuff is just how many performers and obviously people backstage you mentioned from kind of all walks of life you got a very kind of inclusive mm-hmm. uh kind of performance drive going on there and i don't mean to get political at all but was that kind of on purpose that you kind of got all these performers from everywhere and given everyone kind of a shot no matter who they are no i, I mean it wasn't i don't think on purpose it's just guys who show up and, and show initiative it's it's a very lucky thing that we have such a diverse group it just so yeah. happened to be that way. I'm all about diversity, but I'm not going to go pick somebody who's not as good for the job just because they're checking off a box. So we've been lucked out by having such a diverse group of such talented people. But that's almost I don't want to say by accident, but it's not by design either. It's, you know, whoever shows up and shows the most effort, guys who come to help set up the ring, tear down the ring. I'll 100 percent of the time give a guy or a girl like that an opportunity over somebody who sent me an email I mean, given that the email person might be a lot more talented or they might not, uh, but I reward initiative. And that's like Jimmy was saying, that's how guys get re- and girls get rewarded coming to the shows from the crowd. Like Shane got upgraded to the ring announcer just because I had seen him announce at another company and I thought he was really good. And the persona was really good. And our production guy, Johnny, who, you know, runs the show upstairs the day of the show, along with Dr. Callahan. Uh, he said, hey, what about Shane when we needed somebody? And he fit perfectly. So that's one example of just a guy that was there that helped us out, that I saw he was talented, someone else saw he was talented. And that's all it takes, you know? Uh, always, and if you're listening to this, trying to get into wrestling or in wrestling, trying to advance yourself, put your best forward. Don't drive like 10 hours by yourself to a show you're not booked on. I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm not saying not to, but it doesn't have to be that dramatic. If the boys, you know, are going to a show, if three guys are booked, you want to jump in the car in that fourth seat, Go for it. If you've got nothing else going on, go for it. Chip in for gas. Show up. Introduce yourself to the promoter. That's like that's like day one shit, but not everyone gets taught that. So that's why I see the t- same 10 or 12 guys coming to help out or girls or whoever. Same 10 or 12 people coming to help out and everyone else not. You know, so not same to... couple people showing initiative because they were trained the right way. 
so not to bring it back to kind of asking you the standard question of how did you get into wrestling but uh done some research and i'm sorry if this is wrong but i'm going to ask you steve were you trained by richie rotten i was richie rotten magic and chaos were my three original trainers uh richie owned the school magic and chaos were also assistant trainers at the school um so i found out about it like by accident i was go figure i showed up to help (laughs) my dad's friend was a promoter so i went to help out at his shows and got to watch for free because i helped with the ring and one of the ring crew guys, like one of the new ring crew guys came up and said, hey, you know, you guys training to wrestle like me and my friends. And we weren't at the time. We, I think I'd been in a ring once to take bumps and it hurt a lot. And uh, it still does. Just you learn to get used to it. And they mentioned a school that was like right down the road from where the show was happening, which happened to be 15 minutes from my house. So I was like, oh, OK, ten dollars a class. I can go and learn from these guys who I'd heard of that have a good reputation. Yeah, why not? Sign me up. And, you know, that's kind of how that happened. <laughs> so is that something that was instilled from you from the beginning to be that yes. person who, who helps out doesn't just send a text or an email but is actually yeah. there in people's faces almost yep and and not that i won't book someone just off an email if i've heard your name and you send me an email and I, i've heard of you i'll check you out if not uh, i mean i'm kind of going off of people's word and people who show up <laughs> like people i trust and people who are there so what's someone like because there's a lot of uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, Steve, but sometimes the internet wrestling community can be a bit negative. Oh, very. Um, <laughs> luckily, Magic hasn't had to deal with that a lot, but I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> but with somebody, because you've worked with some really big names, like I was just watching a match the other day of the American Murder Society uh, with Tommy Dreamer and Fala Bar. Oh, and, so fun, too. <laughs> yeah, that was a great, great match. And you've had people like Jordan Grace down there, Joey Ryan, Orange Cassidy, the names are kind of endless. Obviously, Keith Lee as well uh just who's some of the good guys from maybe that bunch or some other of the big names that you've got a chance to work with because we always hear about kind of the negatives but what's some of the positive experiences that you've had uh specifically getting in the ring with them i mean dreamer and, and follow were so easy to work with and I'm, i've known follow for 15 years we used to train together i was like two or three years in he was just starting out so we kind of cut our teeth together for a little bit we got that bond and i'm so happy to see him succeeding he's such a good dude and Dude, he's dropped like 100 pounds. It's and he's still a big boy, but like he's dropped so much weight and he can move. Like he could move 100 pounds ago. Now he's really flying around. So, I mean, as far as like good people I've dealt with, though, Tommaso Ciampa, definitely class act all the way. I didn't get to work with him in the ring, but I mean, he got in early. We took him out for lunch and he was just such a humble, cool dude. And Cody and Brandy Rhodes, too, probably the two nicest people and most humble, down to earth people I've met in wrestling. Um, Dude, they came out to the diner with us and just hung out with the boys after the show. Like, not the first time or the second time they met us, but the third time and they got to know us a little bit. Oh, yeah, we'll go hang out with these guys. Uh, They made it a point when they were leaving to go back to their hotel to shake hands and say goodbye to every single person at that table, whether it be a worker or a ring crew member or just we took a couple of the fans with us to eat, too, which is weird. But, you know, it was a big night, so we did. And they they took time to say goodbye to everybody. And that's just such a it's such a small thing, but it goes a long way because it's such like a it speaks highly of, of what class and, and what, you know, what they're made of, you know, what kind of people they are deep down. They didn't have to do that. No one would have thought less no. of them if they just said, waved and said goodbye. Like, Good. There's always a story that uh, I think it was Jack the Jobber on uh, Cultaholic Now Tales, because I live in the same city, Newcastle, mm-hmm. that when they had Cody Rhodes for What Culture Pro Wrestling, he went out with them all to this, I'm not going to call it filthy, but not a very nice nightclub in my great city called Arise. And apparently he went there fully dressed up, suited and booted. 
<laughs> like, oh damn <laughs> <laughs> just to hang out with the people after the show which is a story that you hear about cody and brandy a lot yeah the, yeah cody and Brand- i wasn't there for that but every time i hear anybody talk about uh any of the times cody or brandy were around that's mm-hmm. like the first thing that comes out of their mouth is that it was a really just amazing fun like experience that just sort of happened and that's just that's just like a, a few of the many examples of like when we had uh quackenbush come in i i i just you know stopped to say hi and just you know show uh my respects and just say just say hey what's going on thanks for coming down or whatever i sat and talked to mike quackenbush for maybe 15 20 minutes about wrestling about life just uh, you know little little things and mike quackenbush is a guy who doesn't have to do that no he and he's does. a good dude too like, I don't know him super well, just like I don't know Cody and Brandy super well, but I got the same impression. I've met Mike a few times, and always he's always very thorough, very respectful, very, no matter who you are. Uh, and, unless you're a dick, then maybe not. But, I mean, you know, and Keith Lee also very cool, and Ace Romero. Like, honestly, anyone you've seen on Magic that's now on TV or that was on TV before has been mad cool and deserves all the success they get. There's not one single person that's come through there that I'm like, oh, piece of shit. And, like, it's weird to say that, but like it's the honest truth, especially out of the guys that were successful. There's nobody I could point a finger at and say, yeah, fuck him, wouldn't have him in the locker room again. Not a single one. <laughs> Not that comes to mind, anyway. Speaking of uh, body transformations and whatnot, did you see Ace, Ace Romero's uh, like big like weight cut? That he did? Bro, like, not that I needed the inspiration, but that motherfucker is so inspiring on his social media with his weight cutting. Because, like, if he can do that, why can't I lose another five or six pounds? Oh, I can. Fuck it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I give him all the credit in the world because he's a big boy that can move, and he doesn't need to lose weight, but he wants to, and he's going after it because he wants it, and that's awesome. Is is there anything, like, scarier than staring down the at the other side of the ring, Ace Romero, who's now jacked and cut and like in like the best shape of his life like how insane would that picture be you know man imagine him another 50 or 60 pounds from now because like he can move now imagine then like that's what i'm saying yeah that's scary it's a scary thought dude's good Um, and i'm glad he's finally getting some kind of tv time on impact like you know no disrespect to whoever books that but they were sleeping on him for a little too long my opinion uh respectfully again like they're they're a great show and all that but Brother should have been on TV this whole time, and I'm glad to see him. And uh, I think it's Larry D. He tags with. I think so. Yeah, I think I so. I like them together. It's a pretty cool dynamic. Um. So speaking, uh, wait, wait, do you hear this? Speaking of a pretty cool dynamic, um, yeah. you happen to be, as I said, part of. I know I'm trying my ass off, but the segue won't tip over. Um, <laughs> but uh, you happen to be part of uh one of the biggest and most successful tag teams in pro wrestling magic, the American Murder Society. With uh, uh, this this guy, he looks a lot like uh, Aaron Bradley. Um, oh, the lookalike, the fucking doppelganger guy. Yeah, I remember he went to Germany, and then this lookalike came back, and Robert I don't know. Cone. Yeah, I, Alex, I think his name is Alex Ryman. Yes. Uh, so the two of you guys came together uh, a while back, and you guys have had multiple t- uh, title runs uh, mm-hmm. with the, the tag team titles, which you guys ended up turning into the world tag team titles because you guys defended it over in uh, the UK with LDN. But before we get to that, I want to talk about how you guys uh, first came together um, and what the formation of what is now the American Murder Society. So 
it was all those like everything happens for a reason type uh, stereotypes that everybody likes to say and like but it's true so we were working on a faction for pwm called the sons of old school which was myself don montoya jersey devil and magic that was going to be a thing for a while and then we stopped using Jersey Devil's ring, and I figured, well, he's probably not going to want to come down anymore. He, he hates to leave in the house for wrestling anyway, unless it's his show, which I completely understand. And Don Montoya uh, wound up canceling a booking for us, and he wasn't really looking to wrestle much anyway. He couldn't, was going to be the manager. So, like, you know, two-thirds of that, or three-fourths of that was gone. Or two-fourths of that was gone. Sorry, my man. I got Steiner math going on today. Uh, so it was down to like me and magic and nobody else. So we're like, okay, what about me, magic and, and glitz and glamor? And they didn't pan out. They weren't looking to take really many bookings and they wound up moving to Florida shortly after that. Uh, God bless. Good for them. I would say better them than me, but no, not true. Um, so it, we kind of revamped the whole thing. We figured, okay, let's put magic on the babyface side of it. Cause no one's going to want to boo him anyway. And let's make it a company that's trying to destroy the company or a group that's trying to destroy or take over the company, similar to NWO. You know, it's it's a, it's been done before, but it works, and it was slightly different, so we went with it. So we had our eyes on Mike Donovan, and we're like, well, he's an obvious fit for, you know, the other guy in the group, but we needed a tag team. And then, you know, Maddie Ice and Aaron Bradley were an unproven tag team. We wanted somebody who wasn't, like, recognized, who we could make into something, or give themselves an opportunity, rather, to make themselves into something. And those two guys have a lot of talent and, you know, even back then. So, you know, that's kind of what we went with. And then eventually wound up being me and Alex, you know, if that is his real name, as the tag team. Because Shane Fair, now our ring announcer, when he was a fan, used to make gifts of the show. And he made one of me and Alex taunting him. And I was like, we look really cool together. I don't really want to be a single star in my own company. That's kind of stupid and kind of selfish. At least in the tag division, I could, like, help bring it up a little bit because you know i'm a decent heel i can make baby faces look good um or they're already good i can make them look better maybe not to toot my own horn but it's one of the few things i'm good at is making other people look good so toot, toot. Screw it, let's go with it toot, toot. <laughs> um you know so it just kind of worked out it was one of those things we really didn't know what was planned for it kill the magic had to kind of take over at some point so we took the tag belts because we needed to at that point and you know the rest as they say it is history we tried it out it really worked well we started doing it in d2w Got the tag belts there twice. I mean, belts don't really mean all that much, but it's still pretty cool. Still, you know, the honor means a lot that somebody would be like, you know, think of you in that way to put money into you, to mm-hmm. invest in you. So, like, you know, it just kind of worked out. It was one of those things that could have flopped or could have done really well. And I think long term, it's done really well. Absolutely. And you guys have gotten, um, other than, you know, some of the classics that you guys have had for Pro Wrestling Magic, like whether yeah. that be the TLC uh, ladder match with uh, the Jersey Muscle Society and uh, uh, Psycho Drivers, I believe that was that triple threat, if I'm getting that right. Um, and then you guys held the tag titles for the first time uh, for 11 months. And then your second run was, I think, another six or seven months. Uh, and in that time, uh, you guys ended up working uh, with uh, LDN, who was uh, allowing us to use like Insanely Rude and Jason Carrion, uh, a lot of other... Uh, a lot of other uh, names from their promotion. And then you guys got to go over and sort of be the foreign heels over at uh, LDN. What was that sort of, uh, what was that sort of like going over to the UK for the first time and getting able to, being able to perform in front of a different crowd with a slightly different character because of, you know, you guys had Steve Higgins with you and you guys were over there for the first time. So 
Uh, take me through what, what that whole experience was like. So that second title run, it was very much supposed to be a lot shorter than it was. And it was simply like a transitional thing. It was supposed to last two shows. And, you know, just enough to have us defend the belts overseas and then drop them to the next heel team. Because uh, we were baby faces at the time, which is fucking weird. Uh, murderer guys, uh, serial killers, baby faces. But anyway, uh, that didn't pan out. That team flopped. The one guy uh, didn't show up, so we had to kind of stretch it out a bit. But that UK tour helped us stretch it out a little bit. And, you know, until we could get to JMS and drop it to them. Um, so it was so different over there, though. You know, getting to the specific question you had, it was very, very different. Um, I know before we got there, TJ Crawford and, and uh, Channing Thomas and, and, and Zanely Rude and guys like that, they were there like a whole week before us. And they were doing like like spot fests, like you would over here, like Super Kicks, Canadian Destroyers. And the people just really, like they probably were enjoying it, but they weren't reacting to it. Then you do the character and psychology shit, cutting the ring in half. And they were going nuts. We almost started a riot. I think we started a small one one night. If um, five children assaulting Stephen Higgins is a riot. I mean, I guess it's a mini riot, sort of. <laughs> no, I wouldn't call that a riot. I would call that a gift. <laughs> a gift to humanity. <laughs> so the, the whole thing is different. They're so respectful over there. But at the same time, some of the adults might have had a little too much to drink and might have allowed their kids to get a little too close to the action a few times. You know, we, we were almost assaulted by children i, I know you know uh, higgins got beat up by a couple kids like i said but we all were almost assaulted by a couple different kids with their parents egging them on over there so that was a whole different dynamic it was all a good fun but man the ring over there hurt i gotta say that's the only negative that tour was amazing it was one of the best experiences of my life and career but goddamn that ring hurt the ropes were loose as hell and there's like carpet padding on the ring over there i don't know if they're all like that or this one was just kind of you know, we need to get a new ring. We're going to get one soon. We didn't get one yet kind of thing. Uh, man, it was rough. I can't <laughs> imagine the guys who did like the full 10-day tour. We did four days. The fifth day got canceled. Then we got to tour London a bit, which is cool. But yeah, just the culture experience going uh, and having gammon, which we don't have over here, which is a kind of bacon. Yeah. I, oh, that's yeah, what I, I asked. I what, was your, what was your time like just touring London? That's where I'm originally from. You, you enjoy, enjoy the big city? I did. I've heard like mixed things like people who go as tourists say it's great. And people that live in England that I know, like two or three people from over there and they're like, hey, it's overrated. But no, I thought it was awesome. It was like New York City, but people were way less rude and obnoxious and it smelled a lot better. Uh, and we got to go to the uh, <laughs> we got to go to the Shrek experience, which was quite the experience. We almost got kicked out because we were very loud and obnoxious and we were sober. So that I don't know. You know, <laughs> I guess I think we were all just burnt out from the whole tour. That was the last day. But man, just the culture shock over there was the first day or two was weird. The hotel didn't have air conditioning. I was like, I was a, a chainsaw during the night with my fucking snoring because when there's no AC, I snore like a motherfucker. That was the other negative yeah. part of the tour. But the rest of it was awesome. And just working a different kind of crowd and not having to worry about doing all your cool moves and more getting in their head and, and psychology wise and just, you know, telling a story in there and pissing them off. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> so one thing where did the name american murder society come from because that's quite that's an in-your-face tag team name it is and thank you by the way i was uh i don't drink very much so i get drunk rather easily uh one of the nights that i was drinking and watching american horror story of all things i was like you know we got this we were just starting to tag we were killed the magic but that group was about to kind of you know go away we're, we kind of go our separate ways. We couldn't use the Kill the Magic moniker. 
outside of pro wrestling magic because it wouldn't make any sense like you know in the ktm like then okay what does it stand for what kill the magic what does that mean outside of pro wrestling magic nothing so we were thinking of a name at one point it was going to be the relentless revolution because i was using like the one man revolution was my fucking tag and bradley was the relentless one or something relentless aggression and it it just it it, it would have worked but it wasn't the best name so i was kind of i was drinking trying to think and i was like okay well my brain only works on either drinking a lot or i don't sleep and i'm sleep deprived i don't know why but that's the only time anything good creative comes out of my mouth <laughs> so i had the drinks i was watching american horror story i'm like what if you did something similar to this but not a knockoff of this america oh american murder society it's perfect and then I texted him, and he agreed. So I was like, well, we can't both be wrong, right? So we went with it. There was one thing. I'm going to do another plug, and this is just for you, Steve. But I am mm-hmm. currently on your Pro Wrestling Tees store, uh, Pro oh, Wrestling Tees slash American Murder Society. And I did notice the American Murder Society T-shirt that you've got on there with the AMS logo. And the text is very familiar. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, designed to be a knockoff of American Horror Story. <laughs> but um, you're... But the four shirts that you do have available on there all are under $20, by the way. Yeah. Uh, who who designed those for you? Because they're all very individual designs. They're all very good as well. So uh, who so designed the, those um, for you? The AMS basic one was Tara Calloway, who is also a professional wrestler. She does some graphic work. She has a shoot job, too, so she kind of does it when she can. Uh, although with the world shut down, I don't know if she's working or not. Uh, and then we went to Carlos from Battle Club Pro Wrestling, and he is awesome. His turnaround time is awesome, and he does the best work I've probably ever seen as far as logos. Um, yeah, man, he's he's done the rest of them, and they are something else. Yeah, they are good. Definitely go check them out. Say Pro Wrestling Tees slash American Murder Society. you got four designs on there. I really like the Two Kings uh, cars one. Oh, thank you. That's the newest one. And we're working on like three or four more, too. We're not going to stop. <laughs> no people stop buying, you know? <laughs> well, uh, God willing, it won't happen. So so that that was a fantastic uh, turnaround there, Nathan, because that's where I was going to go next was the uh, the designs and that how like they've had a, a lot of really interesting designs. So can you tell we podcast, ladies and gentlemen, can you tell we put together <laughs> a time or two? Um, but yeah, Steve, so... Um, uh, we were talking uh, more about the company and then uh, again with American Murder Society, the tag team. But uh, I want to take it back to the backstage a little bit more. Um, for those who for those who don't know, uh, uh, obviously who don't know you or don't know working for a professional wrestling company, the day of a show can be rather stressful. I've never seen <laughs> you. I've never seen you more bug eyed than on show oh, day for the like. Four or five hours before the show, you're uh-huh. 10 miles a minute, usually a stack of papers in your hand, trying to find people to hand things out to. Yep. Um, so for <laughs> those, for, yeah, for those uninitiated, uh, and you can't run anything past you on a show day, by the way, you're always just like, oh, Steve, I just want to ask you something. You're like, uh, yeah, I just got to go uh, find my dad. And then I got to go make sure that uh, Alex is doing this. And then I'll come back. I'll come back. Two hours later, it's like, oh, man, I forgot. I'm sorry. I'm just doing this thing. And it's all over the place. <laughs> But, uh, I always so, either try to come back and I fail because I keep getting pulled off or I completely forget or both. I would I would amend that last sentence pulled off means something different over there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so just for the uninitiated, so to speak, uh, what is what is show day sort of like 
for you who happens to straddle those two worlds of being backstage, being management, and also being an in-ring performer with possibly a promo segment and a match that you have to prepare for? Well, on a good day, it's a complete clusterfuck. On a bad day, <laughs> it's way worse. Um, so I've gotten so good at uh, other places, just having to worry about the match, remembering all my shit. So in a way, it is a blessing and a curse. So that, that's the blessing part of it. Because anywhere else I go, oh, I just got to worry about my match. Oh, I've got like 10 spots tonight. Uh, well, first of all, that shouldn't fucking happen. I'm old. Um, <laughs> I mean, 33 ain't old, but I feel like I'm 50. So um, actually, DDP yoga, I don't feel like that anymore. But anyway, oh, that's the one blessing. There's a plug. Yeah, I'm trying to get that sponsorship, bro. He ain't paying me, but I wouldn't mind getting some money. Let yeah, we don't we out. don't have a code, so I'm just gonna edit all this bit out. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that you? Is that you saying that you're gonna edit this then? Cool. So back back to the show day thing. Um so I try to get there as early as possible. I found now if I get there by like ten or eleven, it's a lot less stressful. That and people have kind of gotten the idea that, hey, if you keep calling off the show or telling me last minute you have a double shot or telling me last minute that you have comps. OK, that one I kind of work with. But the rest of them, like, yeah, it may not go your way in the future. Like I might find other people to fill that spot. And that's not being a dick. It's a business. I've already got a million. When it go, like I said, when it goes perfectly, it's a complete clusterfuck. I can't have it go less than that. And once it does and once it's more than once or twice. Now I got to start looking at, oh, let's see how many dozens and dozens and dozens of people have DM'd me with their work that could be just as good. Or how many people like J.J. Adams and Boom Harden, you know, shout out them specifically, come to the show just to hang out, just to watch and hopefully get on. And if not, watch the matches and learn and offer a helping hand, help with the ring crew. Like those two dudes got the right idea about it and they're super friggin' talented. Uh, but, you know, just to name a few. So, you know, it's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. Because people have learned that, oh, I'm replaceable. Even though he likes me, I might be his friend. I might soon be his friend that he doesn't work with anymore. Because there's a difference. Like, I used to think, oh, I got to bring on all my friends and we got to do business together. Like, you know, my friends that can actually wrestle, not the shitty ones. Um, sorry if you're one of them out there. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's, just... that's the reason you sit me behind a table mostly, right? So you just... <laughs> <laughs> and just because I haven't used you doesn't mean you're horrible. It just means I haven't had anything for you yet. But... No, man, you're awesome behind that table and hosting Monday Morning Magic, though. Like, you know, all joking aside, you, without you and Joey, I don't know where the hell I'd be. And Shane. And Shane, thank, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, I, I found, like, having a good crew to work with helps a lot. Having designated responsibilities, which we didn't used to have. It used to be like, oh, who's going to do this? I'll do it. Okay, great. Now it's like, oh, everything production is Johnny. Bring me your music. I'm going to send you to him. Guys don't even come to me with it anymore. They just let me know, oh, hey, I gave it to Johnny already. Great. You know, everyone delegating responsibility has helped me a whole lot. You know, having a good staff on the floor, having a good staff at Gorilla. I still got to run the locker room for the most part because Anthony, my main business partner, is all over the damn place like I used to be. So I have no sympathy for him. He's, but... <laughs> he's like he's like the fucking mayor. You yeah. can't stop him moving and schmoozing and saying hi and talking yeah, to people. No. You actually see him the most uh, when you're watching these shows back. You see him floating around shaking hands hugging people <laughs> uh, and stuff he he is a roller coaster man and yeah. just quick shout out to anthony anthony ivino for coming back and just sort of being a, like just a ray of sunshine uh, out there and if you if you know what he looks like and you've seen him on the shows drop a uh, a tweet over to ben underscore e-b-e-r-t and let him know that you've spotted <laughs> him. that's a 
little in joke that we have. <laughs> we send all of our hate mail his way. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Anthony's another one though. Like without him coming back on board, like me and Sean uh, Higgins were doing the best we could, and I don't think the shows were bad, but. There definitely was a difference having Anthony involved and him coming back around has definitely made the difference. He was the missing piece of the puzzle, Uh, just like you and Shane were just like, you know, Mark Williams, your co-announcer on the live events, just like he was a missing piece. Like there were so many missing pieces of the puzzle that we didn't know were missing, that we didn't know we needed, that we didn't know were part of the puzzle that we added, you know, whether pulling people from the crowd or bringing Anthony back and getting him involved again. You know, it's, you know, show days are a lot less hectic now, not only because I get there early and prepare more. Yes, that is true. But we've also gotten good at crisis management because there's always something and it's always the day of or the night before super late. Uh, but having those pieces all in place is very important if you're looking to run a wrestling company or any kind of business, I guess. That actually links in with one question that, that mm-hmm. I put, which is a very cliched question, but there's some bits to it in case someone is listening who does want to also get into wrestling promotion. But if there was kind of one piece of advice that you could go back and give yourself right at the start of this journey like what is the one piece of advice that you would give your younger self or just one piece of advice that you think is crucial for someone looking to go down into wrestling promoting needs well, to know it would be one of two things one run don't do it Four, <laughs> <the other> one. <laughs> because it wound up being a you know pretty good decision in the long term i would say don't worry about the downtimes you're gonna have them man up and get over it Understand that it's not every show is going to be standing room. Hopefully get to a point where eventually it is, but don't lose sight of the vision. Chase the dream. Don't chase the money because the money ain't going to be there unless the dream is there because people can tell if it's something you just kind of threw together or something you truly believe in and something that every segment of the show with a few exceptions, because you got to sub guys in here and out, you know, when guys get called into work and guys find a better paid booking and they call off the show. Um, Every single segment is thought out. They can feel that. They feel that everything has a purpose because everything flows so much better when it's all meant to be there. And don't have just one person do creative. Not one single person should have that much power or that much responsibility or that much of a headache, to be honest with you. you got to have differing opinions, preferably people of different experience levels, like myself, Sean, Joey, and Anthony being like the main four creative components right now. Joey is a wrestling fan who's very smart and very knowledgeable, who has a movie background, who now is learning about the business, who's a very was a very knowledgeable fan before starting to learn about the business and has that movie and that TV credentials because he went to school for that shit. Me having, you know, 17 years uninterrupted besides like, you know, early on I went to high school and college, so it wasn't I wasn't totally focused on it, but consistently for 17 years in one form or another been in the business. Anthony has some experience, a lot of uh, business experience outside of wrestling in his time away. He wrestled with me for the first three years. We were a tag team. Then he walked away. He got a shoot job. It worked out great for him. Now he's making great money. He's got a great house, a wife, a kid. But now he came back to the business after having all that business experience outside of wrestling. And then you got Sean, who has business experience and you know, no wrestling or movie experience, who sees things from a fan's point of view, but now an educated fan's point of view because now he's been around the business. So that's a pretty good dynamic of differing um, points of view. So you've got to have, I wouldn't say specifically like a number three, four, seven, ten, whatever works. But if you're going to start, have a differing, a couple different creative opinions. Even if one guy gets the final say, have a bunch of different guys to bounce shit off of that you trust. 
That's, good. That's a little yeah. in depth, I know, but if yeah. anyone's looking to start, I want to see them be successful. That way, they can book me and pay me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see, see, it starts off with you know really inspiring words, and then of course, make sure to book and pay me. Um, <laughs> gotta Listen, love that. You can have both. You can be both. <laughs> you can, you can be both. Um, but you mentioned, uh, you mentioned in that last question, uh, uh, a pretty crucial term when it comes to uh, booking, promoting, uh, just being somebody who's you know vigilant at your shows crisis management really stood out to me yeah um i remember specifically the night that uh jt dunn uh hurt his leg um at czw against uh ace romero i believe it was that show yes i I think they'd wind up working that show i'm not sure but yeah it's it was a last minute thing and i felt terrible for him but i also felt like okay the business end of this he's hurt he'll be okay but he's not going to be okay tonight what the hell do we do we have to make it up to our fans we cannot let them down we cannot tell them, oh, it's just going to be this match now, and these guys are really good, but, but there's no one that's holy shit. You know, the, you, you expect to see your world champion. you got to have a holy shit surprise if he can't be there. And so That's just my thought. And we spent some money making that happen, but, but you got to give back to your people. I remember specifically from that show, because I think that was the show. I, I was working, I think, backstage for that show. This is before we had the commentary set up. Right. Um, and I remember one minute it was – Oh, fuck, what do we do? And then it felt like 30 seconds later, Man in the Box starts playing. And Tommy (laughs) Dreamer is walking out to the ring to wrestle. I believe it was, what was that? It was a triple threat. It was what? It was Michael Elgin, Ace Romero, and Tommy Dreamer, I believe. And it, yeah. And yes, yes. (laughs) That, I I just remember everybody running around, uh, just going crazy and and everything. And it felt like 30 seconds later, I think Scott was still the ring announcer at the time, was uh, announcing Tommy fucking Dreamer walking back into the kingdom with no notice, no nothing, because it just happened to work out uh, because yep. he was doing, I think House of Hardcore was running earlier that evening, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we lucked out that they were, lo- I don't know if it was House of Hardcore or WrestlePro or something else, but he was very local. He was within an hour drive. It was less than an hour. Uh, it was like, I think a 20, 30 minute drive, maybe if I remember correctly, I forget what town they were running in, but it was very close. I don't think it was house hardcore cause he runs that he wouldn't have been able to leave, but it was some, it was one of the bigger Indies and he was close. So I forget exactly how we got in touch with him, but someone asked me, I don't remember if it was Romero or if Nunzio was on the show or, uh, it was such a clusterfuck that night that I don't remember exactly who came up to him, but they're like, yo, what if we can get Tommy dreamer here? Yes, please do. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was like 30 <laughs> seconds later, 30 seconds later, without, to Tommy's credit, without pay being discussed, he was paid pretty well, but like without pay being discussed, he said, yes, they need me. I'm on my way. And that's, and that's, well, fantastic. that's dedication, dude. Like, it, I don't think he even know, knew it was like, I mean, he knows of me. Like he knows me from not, we don't know each other super well, but like he knows of me. He knows me. I trained with Nunzio for a while and like Nunzio and him are super close. So he knows of me, but he, I don't think he even knew it was my show. I think he just kind of like, it was like, oh, they need somebody to fill in for JT Dunn. Okay. Clearly they have money to pay the talent. If JT was booked, like, you know, yeah. he's, he's a top class athlete. Okay. I'm going. But yeah, without even pay being discussed, he showed up, he worked the match. Afterwards, he was paid and, and, you know, everything worked out. But I give him credit because for all he knows, we could have stiffed him. We didn't, but we could have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Super fucking professional, dude. And, and that already answers my question. But essentially, it was is when it comes to crisis management, does it typically come to, you know, spur of the moment, whatever we can work out? Or is there yep. sort of contingencies in place? But that sort of already answers the question. There. I mean, 
now, like today, I always have a plan B. If that goes awry, yeah, it's kind of just whatever. The first good idea that pops out of somebody's mouth, we're going with it. Whether it's me or Ant there to make the decision, we kind of have that unspoken understanding that, hey, if you're here and I'm not, if I'm here and you're not, and this needs to be decided now, it gets decided. We'll talk about it later. If it was the wrong thing, we'll fix it however we can. But yeah, it's, it's, if it's something like that, and especially now with pay-per-view coming up, like, first of all, if you cancel on me for pay-per-view, you're not coming back. If you have a yeah. belt, mail it to me. Like, you're not coming back. I don't care yeah. who you are. Right. Unless it's for, like, WWE, Impact, MLW, Ring of Honor, et cetera, et cetera, NWA, AEW. Fine. Get it. Totally cool. It's not that. And not, God forbid, an emergency. You ain't coming back. Uh, spoiler alert. So, <laughs> anybody who's been sending me DMs after that first pay-per-view, if you notice somebody didn't show up and was replaced, send me another DM. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of it is spur of the moment. And But as long as it's good, the first idea that's good gets used, pretty much. Does that happen quite a lot? Because you've got a, you've had a lot of talent that are now in NXT, like Keith Lee comes to mind, Tomasa mm-hmm. Champ, you mentioned earlier, people from Impact. Has that happened to you a lot where you've booked someone and then they've been offered a deal at one of the bigger companies? Uh, honestly, no. That specific thing has only happened like maybe once or twice. And I get it. I completely understand it. And there's no heat. And I will book the person again if it's that. Um, the call, the calling off the show or canceling your booking or this happened happened or that happened and my car broke down it's always like the indie guys and it doesn't happen often anymore it used to a lot but kind of cut down on the guys who did it so now it's kind of you know not hey you never burn a bridge never say never but yeah once you do that you're pretty much more than once you're pretty much done and like honestly that's how it should be like when i started out you got to the show no matter what if you have to pull off to the side of the road leave your car there and, and get it towed to the show if you're two hours late at least you're there you know Whatever happens, you make it to your booking. Unless, God forbid, you absolutely can't, you know, which is very rare. And the other question I had, when it comes to booking the independent shows and selling the show, how does it work creatively? Do you decide your main event, get that out there so that people buy the show and then fill up the undercard from there? Or what's kind of the creative process for an independent show? So in general, that probably is the process, but, and sometimes we'll add things if like ticket sales are weak or if they're going really well and we have a little extra in budget, we'll see if we can shoehorn somebody else in that's going to get more sales. But overall we plan out our booking. Like we have two story arcs, January through June and then September through December. So you're booked either four or six months in advance and sometimes more, like say when September passes, we start kind of filling in the basics of the January to June arc and then start booking January very, very lightly. But like, you know, we book in story arcs. Like we don't just book matches to book matches. We book, we have a regular crowd. We run at one venue. If we were all over the place, it might be a little different. Uh, maybe not now. Cause we've got the YouTube show, but like in general, it might be a little different, but if you're at one venue and you get a lot of regulars coming back and, and repeat customers, which is awesome by the way to, to, you know, if you're running a company and you got repeat business, that's great. That's a great sign. Uh, but we're able to to be story based, and you know we throw in matches that are oh holy shit I want to go see that match that's a kind of a cold match but these guys are both great. But overall we book you know four to six months in advance, and at least the, the top four or five matches like other shit yeah we'll fill in as we go, like the opening match like the warm up match if we have one like yeah we'll fill that in kind of as we go or we'll lock in like a regular and ask him like hey who do you want to work with and see if we can get the guy if he's reasonably priced or. You know, we'll put, you know, X guy versus, you know, ring crew. And then we won't advertise that, but whoever shows up to help out, give an opportunity to this, you know, but, but at least the top four or five segments, we book four to six months out. 
And where would you put yourself? You said you kind of have a creative committee. Yeah. How would you rank yourself on the creative side of kind of coming up with ideas? Uh, what do you mean? Like on the scale of one to ten or like out of the four guys or? Just kind of like, do you, do you do you come up with a lot of the stories that we might see on Pro Wrestling Magic, like yourself? Or oh, do you kind of uh, put that to the other guys? No, it, it's pretty much a collective thing. I come up with ideas for a lot of like the arcs and the matches, but so does Anthony. And Sean throws in things here and there. Like he's kind of taking a back seat right now. Higgins, he's, if you guys saw him in the UK, the one that acted like Donald Trump the whole time, which is hilarious. Got to, um, he's He has a Trump you know. 2020 flag that he wore to the ring. Uh, it was hilarious, though. <laughs> for for the, our our Royal Rumble type match, the uh, Chad Adams Memorial Rumble that we did in January, he came out. I think it was third in yep. that rumble, and he came out with it tied around his his neck as if he was fucking Superman. And <laughs> not 15 seconds later, he's head he's head down in a trash can being wheeled out of the arena by uh, Johnny Malanga, and that. That to me was the the pinnacle of my night. This is before Gangrel came out. I could have, I think I even said it on commentary. I could have set the headset down and gotten a hot dog because that was that was my night set right there. <laughs> but as, as as you were, Steve, sorry, but, uh, it's quite the game. Yeah, so so Higgins, the uh, the the trash can man, uh, El Hio de Duke the Dumpsters Rosie, as I will now call him. Uh, he, he throws in things here and there, and Anthony's a bit more kind of like the final yes or no guy because he's crazy busy with work, and he's got a kid, and, like, you know, he works crazy hours, like, long hours. Like, I work early in the morning, and then I'm done. Right now, I'm furloughed from, you know, because of the corona and shit, so I just got time with my kid, time to think, time to work out. So a lot of it right now is coming from me and from Joey, but, you know, we'll, we'll pitch things to Ant, and a lot of it right now is pretty chill because – you know, we're not doing anything probably till December, at least with the live crowd that I, you know, judge just judging by the climate of the world right now, unless something changes and we can find like an outdoor venue. But yeah, right now, mostly me and Joey and Anthony giving thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, names he'd like to see, you know, contacting the guys from like the 2016, 17 era that he was friendly with that he contacted. You know, so it's a, it's a cumulative effort. I wouldn't say there's any one person that's more important for it, though. Um, so, um, I'm actually glad that you mentioned family there because, uh, you know, all, all bullshit aside, I did make sure that this was a, a cool question to ask. So send all of your mean tweets over to Ben underscore EVRT or Carlos underscore fire 89. <laughs> make sure those, make sure those guys get the hate because I ain't got time for that shit. Um, ain't nobody got time for that. They, they, God, God bless you, Steve. Um, so when, um, when you had your son, um, did that change your mindset now that you are a family man? Did that make you go, okay, I have sort of a, like a time clock now. I don't want to be in the ring too long. Maybe I want to focus on more backstage. What is, be I know because becoming a father, I don't have children yet. God bless that you. you know Thank of. you, Jesus. Uh, no, I'm sure that those women would have hunt hunted my ass down. I am not That's a good person. <laughs> um, so um, I know being becoming a father changes everything but specifically yeah. about wrestling whether that be backstage uh whether that be your performance whether that be anything uh in the world of wrestling what did becoming a father do for you specifically as it pertains to wrestling so at first because like so i'll, I'll give a quick uh brief rundown of how luke came about i mean not the birds and the bees talk but like after that part <laughs> 
Um, so when a man everyone knows how baby Jonah is. You create a wrestler in a video game, and then five days later he's born, right? Isn't that how everyone's conceived, conceived the baby? But anyway, no, he, we didn't know. So we had no idea that his mother was pregnant with him at all. She wasn't showing. I was gaining the pregnancy weight, so we didn't think anything of it. I was very pumped. So you get to write it off. very thin. No, I get it. I get it. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I was showing. I thought I was pregnant. No, but we, we had no idea. And then one day I, I wake up to go to work and she has a stomach ache and I didn't think anything of it. And then I get a text a couple hours later that she thinks it's a baby and I, LOL, don't joke like that. And then my mom texts me, hey, I'm at the hospital with uh, Jamie and it's a baby. And I'm like, oh, this isn't a joke. Okay. Because my mom has a sense of humor. She wouldn't joke like that. And then Luke was born. Within two hours of that text message, I was a father and my life completely changed. So at first it freaked me the hell out. I wasn't thinking about leaving wrestling. Um, I'd offered to, and she had said, no, don't do that. Um, you know, think it through if that's what you want, but if it's not what you want, don't do that to her credit. Um, I'm sure it would have helped more if I did, but you know, I didn't want to, but I was also freaked out. I was two months away and we've already started the build to me having a dog collar match. So we had a lot more crazy shit planned for that match. I don't think it was bad, but I was disappointed a little bit because we had so much more brutal, cool shit. But I'm like, dude, I got a two-month-old kid. We're going to have to cut back a lot. <laughs> I can't come home with bruises and scars on my face. Yeah, I can't come home dead. I might get some heat for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after that initial period when I got adjusted, it took me probably like six or eight months, maybe even a year, to fully adjust to like balancing act. It's a complete balancing act. If you don't figure it out, you're fucked. And if you do, it can definitely work. At least, like, I'm only traveling on, on weekends, so I'm not, I haven't made it anywhere. AMS hasn't been on TV. Like, we haven't really, you know, it's not to a point where we're traveling more than two days a week, so it's not, it hasn't really conflicted a lot. But now that he's older, now that he can see, now that he tells me, uh, Daddy, I want to see you on TV, it's like, oh, shit. Well, now I have to fucking make it somewhere, because if I don't, my kid's going to be mad at me and beat the crap out of me. Um, but it's truly like all joking aside, like it's it's motivating. It's the most motivating thing in the world because now I have to succeed in some way or form. Now I have to. It's not a choice anymore. Now it's not, oh, I'm chasing the dream and I want to get there. Now it's, oh, I'm chasing the dream and now I'm obligated to get there because this kid wants to see his father on TV and God damn it, he's going to, whether that's on fight TV for an indie or whether that's, you know, AW or NXT or whatever. He's going to one way or the other, especially with this AMS thing and how we're going. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I don't have failure as an option anymore. So try to get in my way. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's a double edged sword. But to me, it's the most motivating thing in the world, because now I have a reason to keep pushing forward other than wanting to. And, and this is kind of cool. and I really love doing it. Now I have a reason to have to. So, yeah, it's like lighting a fire under your own ass. And I probably put too much pressure on myself and I probably put too much weight in getting the TV because my kid's going to love me either way as long as I'm a good dad, which I'm going to be to the best of my ability, but I feel an obligation now, and now fire's lit. Like, well, and I was always a fire lit, but now an extra fire is lit under my ass like never before. Your your son also turned heel on you a couple of years ago and has just been <laughs> consistently kicking your ass on yeah. and off for a few years at this point. So Listen, maybe... there's a saying about apples and trees and it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll finally get that classic son versus father confrontation in about 15 years. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> on pay-per-view live and alive you know you and your son one-on-one -on -one for the title man, um, I, honestly i really hope he doesn't follow the footsteps because it's the greatest business in the world but it's also the worst at times and it's gotten so much better since i started in, in 03 but like 
man, it's just the, the ups are really up, but the downs are really down and it can fuck you up mentally. It fucked me up for a long time mentally when I was really close to something and it didn't happen. And like, man, I don't want that for him. But at the same time, the good side of it is so good. If it's what he chooses, I'll back him a hundred percent, but I really hope he finds something a little more stable. But then again, what is stable in today's world? Right? So I don't know. This is true. Well, First of all, ask my next question. I think for, if your son grows up to be a wrestling fan, get to see his dad wrestle Tommy Dreamer. That's not so bad at no, all. That is that's pretty. That's pretty great. But you mentioned obviously wanting to make it, so I'm just going to ask you another very cliche question. But there's a lot of great tag teams out there yep. in the mainstream and on TV. Who would you like to? See? I've got a couple in mind, but who would you like to tie it up with uh, that you see on? on TV at the minute, on AEW, WWE, Impact, MLW, yeah, I mean, whoever? Honestly, all of them. I know that's a cliche answer, but I will give you our top two or three. Uh, for me, number one is absolutely the Revival. They're the best tag team in the world today, my opinion. Uh, you can agree or disagree out there. That's fine. That's your opinion. You're entitled to it. In my mind, they are by, by far the best tag team in the world today. Uh, the Briscoe Brothers are another one that pop up. And those are like probably the main two. Uh, New Day would be great. Usos would be great. I mean, it depends where we wind up as far as our careers. Like anywhere we go, there's great tag teams. The North and Impact is killing it right now. So are the Rascals. So are TJP and Fala. Like they have a great tag division too. So honestly, we just want to go somewhere where tag team wrestling is valued and featured and important. And whether that be Japan, AEW, just the indies, you know, and making good money on the indies, whatever the case is. But number one would be definitely be the revival if I had to pick just one. Number one, the revival, AMS, yeah. needs to happen. The revival was my number one. Another one you didn't uh, that you didn't just mention because all of the ones that you mentioned obviously are amazing. But I thought Imperium as oh, well yeah. just won the oh, NXT man. titles. Uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. Hope I They're pronounced really that right. They're really too. Those guys and the grizzled young vets too. And I mean, man, there's so many like it's tag wrestling's on fire right now, at least in like, I mean, you say what you want about it on Raw on SmackDown, how it's not taken that seriously, although the tag teams are super talented. I mean, you know, you got to put your focus somewhere. But NXT, AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, man, all of the tag divisions are fire. And like I said, Raw yeah. on SmackDown, they're really talented, but it seems to be kind of secondary, but everywhere else is not. So, man, we just want to go in and, and just wrestle and get paid for it. <laughs> I think you could have, have some fun with too. with Miz and Morrison. You got two yeah. world class talents right there that you that could just is... tell a great story with. But yeah. uh, for multiple reasons, I would love that match. That that is a match I need to have at some point, even if it's just like a, a squash job match on SmackDown. Don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be really. But cool. They were obviously on backlash last night for the world title, and Jimmy, you had an incredible backlash related question for for our guest. If you want to fire it out. Oh yeah. So uh, really, this is kind of. Um, my last question for you, because obviously last night, as we record this last night, the greatest wrestling match ever took place. So my my question to you, the maniac on chain, Steve Off, is do you start to consider retirement after the greatest wrestling match ever took place last night on the WWE Network? You know, before that, I never would have thought about it before I turned 50, unless, God forbid, injury-wise, I had to. Knock on wood, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, man, the greatest match already happened. What's the goal now, right? <laughs> greatest greatest tag team match ever? Uh... Yeah, shit. I mean, why not? No, I mean, honestly, like, that, that was very uh, – that was not fair to those two guys to hype it like that. But it was a good match overall, I think. A little long, but I thought it was good. Yeah. 
I thought it was fantastic as well. I only watched it this morning at time of recording. But I'm not against the long match, so I'm not shitting on it for that. I'm just saying, like, the only detriment I could see people saying is it was a bit long. But I thought it was very good. And it also had to follow that spectacular uh, tag team segment before that with <laughs> nin- with actual ninjas and a tentacle monster inside of a garbage dump. Honestly, that was the best and worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling. Right? Exactly. It was hilarious. It was so corny and like, like, oh my God. But at the same time, they teamed up and they beat up a tribe of ninjas. (laughs) And then they were attacked by the Kraken and the fucking dumpster, the dumpster Kraken or whatever. Whatever was in the dumpster scene in Star Wars must have survived vibe then that was it or it's child maybe i don't know <laughs> i don't know what's was, going it on it was entertaining though i, I they, wouldn't give it a, a star rating on the melter scale but it was entertaining i did laugh quite a few times and the e is for entertainment so i give them an a plus on that well, although it was quite different <laughs> if if that fight scene with the ninjas had taken place in the parking lot of the tokyo dome i'm sure it would have been seven or eight or ten thousand stars or whatever Probably. big melts wants to give it <laughs> um but as we're winding down here uh Maniac on Chain, Steve Off, my boss, my buddy, a uh, person I've known for a really, really long time. I can't yeah, thank you. We go way back to high school, right? We do. We yeah. do go back to high school. I remember watching Damn. WrestleMania 20 over at Anthony's house, and yeah. you were there, and Jerry and everybody was there. I remember going there back, back, back in the day when we were watching. Yeah, just we watched a lot of pay-per-views at uh, Casa de Ayavino. Yes, many, many of them, um, and may or may not have... Uh, uh, wrestled a little bit in that back, in that area. Of the, <laughs> we definitely of, did. We de- we, might, we might have. Isn't that right, Psycho Steve? Anyway, I, uh, I might have before I went pro, possibly dabbled a bit, but after that, I I didn't ever. I'd come hang out with you guys and watch, but I didn't uh, partake. No, no, of course not. Training. None of us ever actually did that. It's no. you know, it's just we like to get around and talk about the wrestling as yes, uh, distinguished gentlemen. Yes, um, of course. So, <laughs> uh, one last question I wanted sure. to. To pop over just before I forget, uh, last week on AEW Dynamite, Mark Quinn of the Private Party, aka former Pro Wrestling Magic Casamento Cup winners, Private and Party, and former tag team champions. Yep, yep. Um, he touched on it a little bit here and there during the interview, but just when you get to see someone main event TV against another PWM alumni who was only there a couple times, but Definitely made his presence felt Cody Rhodes. When you see a big-time TV main event like that for a title on TV, what is that like for you? I felt bad for those guys. For There's two parts to this answer. One, I felt bad for those guys. They had to follow the Butcher and the Blade versus FTR. Mm-hmm. And that match was tag team excellence. I know that it'll be, it'll be forgotten about because it was just a TV match in a couple weeks. But not by me. It was a friggin' awesome tag team match. It was Tag Team Wrestling 101, just enough excitement, just enough psychology. So I feel bad for them having to follow that. But I think they did an excellent job following that. And it was awesome to see two guys who had passed through pro wrestling magic. I mean, I was just looking at it as an awesome wrestling match. But now you mentioned it thinking back, like, oh, these guys have passed through. And like, yeah, that is very cool. Even though Cody was only there twice and one other time to watch his wife wrestle. And Mark was there with Private Party for a little bit longer. I think a good year, year and a half as regulars. Um, but just seeing those two guys kill it in the main event was great. They had a great match. Um, I didn't know what to expect because I know Mark and Isaiah are like a tag team and they're really good at that. But sometimes you're only good at one or the other. You, it's not, not often, but sometimes guys can only do one and aren't great at the other, but man, that is not the case with him. Dude killed it. He brought it. Um, I don't see tag team wrestling as secondary. So I hope 
that he doesn't get moved to the singles division because he did good. I hope they keep tagging this private party because they're incredible together. But man, that match was very good. And it was very cool seeing two guys who passed their magic main event and get the spotlight they deserve. And both good guys too. Private party, very, very chill dudes too. So I, I, again, I don't know them all that well, but I knew them a little bit better than, than Cody and Brandy. And man, they're all, all cool all around. Like, I don't like to shit on anyone, but I will put guys over and man, those guys are fucking, you know, good, good human beings, good workers. Absolutely. Um, so Nathan, do you have anything left for our illustrious guest here today? No, I mean, the only question we've not asked, because it's just another cliched one. It's just if people had to go back and watch uh, or one of your matches or an American Murder Society match, what kind of two or three would you want to oh, point man. it towards that you're maybe most proud of? Anything with uh, Jersey Muscle Society. We, we have the I don't want to say the perfect chemistry because there's nothing perfect in this world, but it's very close to it. Anytime we work together. The more we get to talk and go over cool spots, the better it is. But even just going out to the ring and calling most of it in there, it's at least pretty good, if not very good. And, you know, again, I don't like to put myself over. I'd rather put other people over and talk about them. But any of those matches, I will put against anything else tag team wise out there today. And it'll at least be in the same conversation, if not better. Because, man, those guys are good. Those guys can do singles. They can do tags. And we have insane chemistry together because we've worked so many damn times. I I am the most worried that Pro Wrestling Magic will have to someday go without Steve Gipke and Tony Vincita because I know that those guys are going to be on TV so so fast one day it's going to yeah. it's going to seem like we never had them at all um cuz Steve Gipke is insane and him and Tony Vincita in the street fight which is also on our YouTube channel um, is just one of the best matches that I think we've ever put on. And yes, very those, much so. Yeah. These two guys killed it. And, you know, those guys and Meadowlands Monster and um, Erica Lee and a lot of the other talents that we got uh, right now in Pro Wrestling Magic are really set for uh, big, big things in the future. And uh, another guy that's set for that is you, man. And you and Alex are crazy talented. And uh, just, I'm so thankful that you guys have sort of let me in to come and play and do some fun stuff. So thank you again for coming here on the podcast and, you know, uh, talking to us a little bit and then hopefully getting the rest of the world to know the maniac unchained a little bit better, man. I hope so. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming into the magic world. I don't remember exactly how you got started, but I'm glad you did because, you know, it's funny how things work when it's been so long, you just kind of forget how somebody came around, but I'm glad you did. I'm glad we all worked together. I agree with you 100% on the Magic Locker Room. There's probably about 15 or 20 guys and gals who are, I wouldn't say TV ready, but probably half a step away. I would not be surprised if within two years that locker room looked completely different and I didn't have to unbook anyone because they all made it to TV. I really hope so. I mean, I know that's being overly optimistic. I hope everybody makes it, makes good money, uh, including me and Alex, especially me and Alex. But, you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to that. But I want everyone to succeed. I want everyone to, even if they ain't sitting at my table, I want everybody to be able to eat. See, see what I mean? It starts off as a, as a lovely sentiment with great message just to end putting yourself over. And it's a lot like this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, because by the end, all we want to do is put ourselves over. So, Steve, one more time, I'm going to steal a, a phrase from a, a popular YouTube series, uh, Hot Ones, and I'm going to say, that camera, that camera, that camera. Look into one of them. Tell everybody what you got going on, what you got going on. Tell people where they can see you and where they can find you on the interwebs. So come stalk me on my social media. Don't really stalk me. Just follow me and, and like my stuff if you'd like. Um, Facebook.
facebook.com slash Steve off at Steve off on Twitter at I hate Steve off on Instagram. Cause some idiot took the Steve off tag, posted a couple photos of toy dinosaurs and disappeared. And I can't get the tag. So I hate that guy. I hate that Steve off, not myself. I, you know, not that I love myself. I'm, well, I'm right. A lot of, people, but, a lot of people I know actually hate you, Steve off. So the, the name for the heel, it's, it's well deserved. the heel well aspect deserved. is great. Anyway, go on. You were on it's your way. Well deserved. No, that was pretty much it. <laughs> I have a YouTube page. I haven't updated updated it in like two years because. Oh my uh, God! Is the gun show know. still on there? The gun show is still on there. The recent oh, ones. God, yes. the, Nathan, the you need to watch the gun all show. the curse words have been censored and re-uploaded with uh, bleeps. Because <laughs> you know, what, what if a PG or PG thirteen wrestling company wants to use me and sees that without the bleeps and says, "Oh, screw that guy," no. <laughs> So guys, follow whatever we're doing. Check out patreon.com slash pro wrestling magic. Check out all the pro wrestling magic on social media, on Facebook, at wrestling magic on Twitter, at pro wrestling magic on Instagram. Check it all out. YouTube.com slash pro wrestling magic. I think, I don't know if we actually set up the URL. So just search pro wrestling magic on YouTube. Find a bunch of free stuff. Give yourself a reason to buy the Patreon. Don't just take my word for it. Go do your research. When you realize that the product is awesome, we have so many awesome wrestlers, then go give us money after we've earned it. Absolutely, I could not. I could not agree more. Nathan, why don't you got? Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody the usual round of plugs that we got over here on Rogue Opinions? Before I do the plugs, just to go back to the moment where everyone was putting themselves over and being nice. Thank you, Steve, for joining us over here at Rogue Opinions. This is actually the first time I've ever interviewed someone, so thank you oh, wow. for being well, nice to me. And uh, as well, but otherwise you can find Rogue Opinions itself at Rogue underscore Opinion. You can find me at Nathan Greenaway. Check back for the archives. We've got everything going on. There's some lockdown quizzes because everyone's kind of been stuck inside that we've done just with all the people. There's usual wrestling reviews up there. Scott's doing his retro Smackdown series. Go check that out. But otherwise, just follow. Make sure you go check out the Patreon or the YouTube for Pro Wrestling Magic as well and thank you very much jimmy for inviting me on for this of course i could not imagine being able to handle an hour just talking to steve one-on-one so i needed to (laughs) i needed to make sure i needed to defer some of that over to this side uh and i always enjoy put you over to end it but I guess I won't now. No, well, you see, because this is my favorite part because I have my my whole putting myself over all memorized. Uh, but no, uh, again, thank you, Steve, for coming on. Uh, Nathan, it's always such a pleasure to get to work with you. And uh, Steve, when we get back to life as normal, I need you in more intros for Monday Morning Magic because that was a hell of a lot of fun, uh, that one intro that we got to do. And if you don't know... <laughs> What I'm talking about, you're going to want to go over to youtube.com slash pro wrestling magic so you can see every single episode of Monday Morning Magic that we've uploaded. We have matches, we have full shows. And then if you somehow can't get enough of all of that, you can go right over to patreon.com forward slash pro wrestling magic where we're creating brand new content for everybody, especially at the $3 level. That's just 15 cents a day. You can sponsor pro wrestling magic as if we were a small African child being i don't <laughs> i don't know being taken care of by sally struck back oh my in God. like in the arms of an angel you can take care and listen to more podcast content the first episode is up in full form not just the free version that got uploaded a couple days uh, a couple days ago right here on rogue opinions i have a full hour with Shane Fair, the ring announcer of Pro Wrestling Magic, and uh, soon, sooner rather than later, I'm going to have the American Murder Society, the Hell Metal yeah. Ant Monster, I'm going to have DM Stevens, I'm going to have Mark freaking Williams, I'm going to have every single person 
that I can possibly drag in for at least an hour to talk to you guys. Make sure to send in your questions over at Wrestling Magic on Twitter. And then you can go follow me and tell me how much you hate my voice over at <laughs> Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid and I never grew up. And now you don't have to either because this podcast is over. Thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget, everybody, I love your face. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Get in the game.